Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Mitchie on the podcast, who I'm actually going to let introduce herself. And uh, she's someone that has actually been spoken highly of from one of our members, Anthony, who's probably listening to this. And just wanted to quickly introduce you to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I It's crazy. You actually caught me at a very interesting time in my life where my biggest question has been, who am I without my titles? And that is um, where I am in my life right now. I'm in a sense reevaluating what I want to do with myself and with my career path. Um, I've been planning to taper myself away from the coaching world. Um, and so for those of you that don't know, I am a mindset coach and I'm a behavioral therapist in clinic for children. Um, but I also coach entrepreneurs and um, high-functioning individuals. Um, and the reason why I've been questioning why and who I am without these titles is because at the end of the day, we can't take our titles with us when we die, right? You take your soul, which is like who you really, really are. And I have struggled with depression and anxiety and a lot of diagnoses that I lost track of. And I think that it comes from me just feeling and being programmed to believe that I should stick within this box. And that's not the case. I am creative. I am loving. I'm outgoing. I'm shy. I am extroverted. I'm introverted. I'm all of the above. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to limit myself to a title. Although I do consider myself a mental health and wellness advocate. I'm a human at the end of the day. And that's pretty much what I've been discovering within like the last couple of months. And I've been taking a step back from posting like mental health content and just focusing on my biggest project, which is myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting you say that. And it's actually a really good point because I remember a while back, I actually had my, someone asked me this recently, actually, to be fair, was imagine you stripped away what you do, where you are, who you're around. How would you then identify? And it's like, sometimes that leads people to a place where they actually don't have the answer, which is totally fine. But it's a really good way to think of it. Imagine you stripped away everything, how much you earn, where you live, what car you drive, what you do for work. Who actually are you? So it's one of those things where a lot of times people tend to find identity in terms of what they do and the external, as opposed to actually who they actually really are deep down inside. I always tend to find that. It's a quite a hard question to ask and also answer, but it's one of those questions that you actually start to actually uncover and uh, kind of open Pandora's box. I always find when you come to see those. So how would you, suppose you're in an Uber and they ask you, oh, what'd you do? How would you describe what you do in that sense right now? I would describe that as, I'd say, I empower people to do what they love and be someone that they love. Because there are a lot of people, like, for instance, lawyers. Some lawyers, like, they represent really horrible people, right? Or, you know, they have a privilege where, like, they have to keep this confidentiality um, of you know a drunk driver killing someone 
And how do you sleep at night? Right. So who, who are you and who, what person do you want to become? And, um, that's actually what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a lawyer. Like I got into law school and I decided that I want to, didn't want to go that route because I'm sensitive. Right. And like, I didn't want to go to sleep and be like, Oh, I could have done the right thing, but I didn't, you know, and that happens to me frequently with coaching. Um, you know, I will have a client refer me, refer another client to me and they'd be like, Oh, this person has suicidal ideation. Like I really need you to help them. And as someone who has also struggled with that, I've been in and out of hospitals because I've struggled with suicidal ideation. Um, sometimes I have to decide whether I want to keep my inner peace or I want to potentially save their life. And, you know, both of those things are, you know, huge, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, but I also feel like I'm very faithful. I believe in God. And I feel like God is putting me in a, in like, uh, he's testing me. And so I think to myself, you know, when I die, God is going to judge me and he's going to be like, well, you wanted to keep your peace instead of helping this person and saving their life. So at the end of the day, I just care for people. You know, I am, I, I'm, I just serve people. That's what I do. Um, and that's pretty much how I describe myself, you know, as someone who loves and cares and supports other people. I try to empower everybody around me as much as I can if I have the mental capacity to do so. That's kind of coaching, right? It's like sometimes, and you think of it as a coach, is that someone's going to get me from A to B? And whether that's in any realm, business, mind, body. And it's quite interesting because what happens in the inside of coaching is actually quite integral and yours tend to find as well the coach actually is as much invested as the client and is never 50 50 percent tend to share the responsibility it's usually 100 percent both so like if one person's throwing the ball the other person's not catching it other person's not throwing the ball in the first place it's never going to work so i totally relate to that and it's um a piece something i actually rolled on to quite a lot is and you probably you might have heard this before but it's give and forget receive and remember Hmm. I've always stuck with that it's like sometimes someone does something for you you remember it and it's like you hold that person to it but then the person that they forget it so it's like it's really interesting because then that actually kind of realizes it actually makes you realize that every little step actually counts and every little action counts whether it's in the coaching world day to day receive give and forget receive and remember so it's uh it's really interesting what got you because I actually wanted to dive into, and I think this is going to relate to what got you here today. You, off camera, off video, you actually mentioned you had your own story in terms of how you lost 80 pounds and you went through your own story. What triggered that in the first place? Oh, I think this is like the story of my life, literally. <laughs> As a very young child, so I live in a house, I live in a family because I wouldn't say my parents are like this. But yes. So like body image has always been a thing in my family. And I didn't realize it until I grew up and learned about mindset and generational trauma, generational cycles. And um, I would always hear like my grandmother and my aunts and my mom, you know, and this is no disrespect to any of them. This is just bringing light to these generational uh responses i guess because you this is how they would respond to certain things so uh they i would always hear something about someone's weight 
I heard it from my uncles. I, like, again, I heard it from my grandmothers, all the ladies in the family. And I was a chubby little kid. And I remember being such a happy kid up until one point where, like, all I would think about is my weight. Like, I'm talking about, I was, like, in third grade thinking about how I was going to lose weight. I think I talked about this in another podcast um, where, like, I have a cousin and she was really, really slender and she was in gymnastics. And I remember asking her, how do you get skinny? And she was like, literally, we were like seven. And she was like, well, you need to stop eating carrots and you need to stop drinking milk because all of that is like fattening. And then so we just started running around the yard and I just would look (laughs) in the mirror and I would be like, am I skinny yet? And so this was so um, harmful because I grew up and I, you know, my family has never been the one that's like, let's eat healthy. You know, they just eat the traditional Mexican meals. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say that they're the unhealthiest, but they're not the healthiest. You know, I didn't really think about vegetables growing up. Like I didn't think about drinking water or moving your body. Um, yeah, I didn't think about those things. All I thought about was in order for my family to stop bullying me, I need to be skinny. So that I can just be like the other people in my family, you know, and um, that was just my entire childhood. And up until I was in high school or I was going into high school, somebody that I'm really close to, I'm not going to say who they are, but they were like, you're so fat. You're not going to find a boyfriend like no man is going to love you. And, you know, as a as a child, all you want is to be loved. And even like as a you know, a young girl wants to be, you know, you want to be loved, you want to be pretty. And so for me, it was not really about health. It was more about just fitting in and, you know, fitting this mold of like being skinny. And like, you know, I feel like nowadays it's more acceptable to be on the thicker side. And like, that's like what's in. But all I thought about was my body image. And so I started like this binge and restrict cycle And I didn't realize that it was a problem. Like, I remember asking my mom, can you please help me find some weight loss pills? And I would only eat (laughs) a day and I would run at my, like, I used to live across the street from a high school and they would open up the track for the community. And I would wear a sweatsuit. I was 14. I would wear a sweatsuit and like to the point where I lost like 60 pounds. And then I like fainted one time and like, I realized that it was a problem, but I wanted to be skinny more than I wanted to be healthy. It's interesting you say that, how kind of reverse back a sec as well, where it's kind of like what's, how one comment really triggered everything and how the reason for you to actually do that was to actually fit in. It's really interesting how like as you grow up, actually fitting is kind of the opposite of what you really want. And when you're younger, it's actually that thing you really want even deeper. So it's like, I always say is that when you're, you always want you what you don't already currently have. So like if you always think now the grass is greener on the other side of achieving this, you're always in that mentality. And when you get into that mentality, you never get out of it. Which is really interesting because I know like you you're in a place now where you're healthy. You're you're in a better place in terms of physical, mental, and like you're speaking to you right now, like there's a lot about it which is insane. And I think you've actually grown through the challenge. But also it's really interesting because I do find as well for some people that actually starts to happen when they're younger. There's the people that have a little comment thrown here and there or something happening where actually then they start to value the growth even more to higher levels as they grow up. For you, kind of like when it came back to that, what was the hardest thing when it came to making the change? What what was the thing that really 
held you back for the longest back then? It re so I, this caused a lot of issues with my confidence, with my self-worth, with my self-esteem. And um, I remember when I graduated college, I met the person that I thought was the love of my life. Like this man was amazing. We lived together. And one time we were going to go to a water park and I didn't want to wear shorts. I didn't want to wear a bathing suit. And he started crying and he was like, I hate that you hate yourself. He was like, wear the two piece. And I remember wearing the two piece and I was just doing it so that he can shut up. You know, like I was like, just leave me alone. But I, the entire time I remember feeling like I wasn't good enough. Like everybody's looking at me. I have cellulite. I'm not, my body's not perfect. And so to the point where like this relationship was, it was, he taught me a lot about myself, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh, we ended up breaking up because I feel that it was my, my own insecurities that drove us to break up. And it didn't take until after. So after that, I, um, I lived alone and I tried to do my own thing. And I was in a really dark hole. My family had moved to Texas. I was living in California at the time. Um, my parents moved to Texas. I was living alone. Like I didn't have any friends. I, you know, was six months single and I tried to take my own life and I ended up in a hospital. And when I went to the hospital, we, I started noticing that the food at the hospital was like all carbs, like things that were making the patients sluggish. So I, when I would go to my therapy with my counselor in the hospital, um, I started talking about it. And then he started pinpointing the fact that I had an eating disorder, but I didn't know it because I didn't know, I had no knowledge of this. Like I didn't know. And so when I started like sharing my entire story, he was like, well, the, the main thing here is that your, um, your filter is like your body image. Like the way that you see the world is like, all you can think about is your body image. And that's true. Like it was something that was hijacking my life. And so it wasn't up until that point where I was like, holy shit, like this is happening. Like this is real. And I felt like somebody had just put a flashlight to like the dark side of my life. Or like, I didn't want anybody to know these things, but this person was like, you have an eating disorder and we can fix it. But you just need to be able to tell yourself that you've been lying to yourself this whole time. And I remember asking, like, what am I lying to myself about? I'm telling you the truth. Like, I'm telling you that I, you know, have body image issues that, I, and I'm telling you my entire history. And he was like, you need to tell yourself that you were lying about wanting to be healthy and like wanting to be this, like, you just, you didn't want to be humiliated anymore as a child. You wanted to fit in, you know, you didn't want to be this skinny person. You just wanted it to stop. You wanted to be loved. You wanted this and this and this. And I was like, Mm. yeah and so when I got released from the hospital I moved to Texas because my dad was like there's no way you're gonna stay in California and then you're you're not in the headspace to be alone so I moved here in 2019 and um that's where I almost like started parenting myself like I remember looking at myself in the mirror like holding my own chin as if I was parenting this younger version of myself and I was like you are beautiful you're not gonna you're not gonna not eat today you know, you're going to eat today because you need it. And like, I started reprogramming myself that way by doing the things that I didn't want to do. You know, I did, I started doing those things and 
that turned out to be beautiful because I started trusting myself. I started loving myself, even though I was not perfect, you know, because we're never going to be perfect. And I had to come to that realization. It's like self-love is not just loving yourself. It's loving even the ugly parts of yourself enough to try to do something about it and take action. That's really powerful. Like what you just said there, how you kind of been through all that and actually how you came out on the other side and you've actually started to actually have that from like a place of experience, but also how you've actually got out of it. That's really insane. And I think one of the first steps of change was actually someone or something holding up a mirror and really showing you the reality of what's really happening. Because until you know what's really happening, you can't really change the unknown. So it's like kind of, and it's really interesting because a lot of times it's these subconscious things that you generally aren't focusing on that needs to be changed to create a transformational impact. So someone that binges, they probably don't really know why they're binging because there's something going on and it's actually sometimes holding up a mirror to realize this is what's happening. And it's usually the reason behind the reason or the thing behind the thing. When you hold up the mirror, you're like, oh, that's what it was. So that can be something as small as like not fulfilling a human need, such as connection, which is why someone may else kind of find something else to fill the need in, but you may not have thought of that. You thought it was a food. So it's really interesting because sometimes it, not sometimes, it's turning the subconscious into the conscious and then when it sends into the conscious, you can change it. And that's exactly what happened to you, which is really powerful. For you, kind of like the confidence that point, and then like this is what we spoke about before we even started recording. It's like, it's really interesting because you never get to a point where you look in the mirror and you think, done. <laughs> um, I'm still yet to meet someone that's, even in the fitness industry, personal trainers, coaches, people that I look, look at, and I'm like, you look like you've got it all together. And then they view themselves as like, oh, there's just this bit here or that I can change. So like, even the people that you think have it all together they generally don't and they're still never content and they're still never like oh i'm perfect here because it's really a case of like you'll never get to a place where you're like, oh, happy i'm done and it's like it's more of a flow than like a destination and it's like a, a saying from johnny wilkinson was like life is like a series of fault summits you'll get to what you thought was a summit and you're like that's a fault summit because it's a big mountain to climb Yes, at the top of that, you look up and you're like, oh shit, this is another thing. And that's continuous. So you never get to a place where you're like, oh cool, this is it. But you really enjoy part of it. And I think becoming is better than being every time. Yeah. So take some months to actually see it to believe it. But I know you probably agree with me on that one. Like you'll get to a goal, business, body, wherever you might want to be. And you're like, this is great. I've grown a lot from the experience. And you realize you're taking more from the experience of becoming than actually the being. Yeah, we are experiencing that and it's actually a phenomenon called hedonic adaptation and that's something that I talk about frequently it's when the new becomes the new normal so mm-hmm. think about so I recently moved into my new place right I've never lived alone ever in my life like this is the first time I have my own place and sometimes I, I get home and I take it for granted and I have to snap myself out of it it's like I have to ground myself and be like hey you know, that's where that gratitude comes in. It's like, remember how long you waited for this? You know how, because my dad built me this place. You know how hard your dad worked to build this place? Remember when you were picking out the the accents? Remember when you were barely looking at furniture? Like, this is our space. And then sitting in that moment and sitting in gratitude, because you're right. The next thing, you're going to you're gonna get used to it. You know, you're, 
the new becomes a new normal. So it's again, sitting in gratitude and soaking it all in, you know, just savoring the moment. 100%. It's like one of my good friends, he's, I just spoke about this in a podcast. I'll actually try to find the exact podcast because it's really worth listening to. He got to that place where he got very comfortable because everything he wanted, he finally got. Like he had the girlfriend, he had the car, the house, the business. He was in the sun, sipping cocktails. And like he was there like, oh, I need some time alone. It's like having all that, you think if you get there, that's exactly it. Then he actually kind of got out of that. He's like, I'm getting too comfortable here. It doesn't feel good because he's in that place where he kind of just, he wasn't grateful for it because he was like, what's this about? So like what he did recently was actually start to actually push himself even further. Like he went to, I'm not sure if you follow any bodybuilding. Do you follow bodybuilding? What? Like yeah. a, he decided to compete in Step on Stage, which is where he went from a place of comfort to a point of actually really pushing himself. He kind of went monk mode, so he focused on growing his business, growing his physique, and kind of having that. And he really got uncomfortable. And then he got to the result. He killed it both. But then now he's back in the same place in terms of he's still around the same things, but he's a lot more grateful for it because he didn't get, he can actually take him, he doesn't take him for granted anymore. So it's really interesting because like you really, when you really kind of get to a place where you have actually worked for this and it comes together, there's a lot of gratitude for it. But sometimes you forget that because you're like, all I'd be focusing on is where I'm getting to. So wherever you are, you're still focusing on what's the next thing. So it's really interesting. I even speak to our members. It's like, you'll get to this first transformation checkpoint and you're like, what's next? Well, at the start, they're just focusing on the first transformation checkpoint, the body sprint. And then like they get there, they're like, oh, come think about this. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I was waiting for. It's like you never get to a place where you get content. And being content to some degree is kind of boring because you lose gratitude and you lose that positive focus. So it's really interesting that. For you, kind of question for you is, something you said earlier about the whole movement of how body positivity. What's your thoughts on that? What's my views on that? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Like what, what, what exactly? <laughs> to say i i mean i think that a lot of what we're seeing in, like on social media is very harmful and um i've recently been on this journey of like getting closer to my faith and um it's crazy because when i was picking up my outfit today i was like because i think about this all the time right i'm like I'm in this battle between like dressing more modest and like i'm a tomboy like i like to dress with baggy t-shirts <laughs> And I feel like this, like wearing a dress is more of like me still trying to fit in because my mom would always be like, why don't you wear a dress? Like, you're so pretty. You need to dress like a girl. But I'm the type of person that likes to wear baggy jeans. Like before this, like before dressing up, I was wearing some sweats and a baggy t-shirt and I felt the, I even felt confident, you know, like I feel confident even in this, I'm like, um, so I think that sometimes it's about, it's not even about like your accomplishment. Like some people just really want to show off. And like, I've been there before where I'm like, oh, I want to show off the gains and I want to do this and wear really, really short shorts. And this is not to shame anybody that does that. It's just, it can be harmful because uh, you show the outcome. You don't show how you got there, right? Like I know that a lot of people that follow me know my journey or a little bit about my journey. Um, but what about the people that don't, 
you know, and yeah, you know, some people, you know, they're going to argue so many different things like, oh, yeah, but you shouldn't worry about what other people think. Um, but I feel like I have a responsibility to be a good influence because I don't want the same cycle to repeat itself where I, oh, she's has this type of body, you know, like we see so much with Kim Kardashian and like so many surgeries and, you know, yeah, she's a beautiful woman and I want you to do whatever you want to feel comfortable, but you know, she is a role model to younger women. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want people to be genuinely happy. But I can only focus on what I'm doing. And um, I really just every day I check myself, you know, because I'm not perfect. And I will make mistakes. And I might do things that I'm not proud of tomorrow. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm in this journey right in my life where I'm like reevaluating everything to down to like the shoes that I wear, down to the way that I carry myself. And, you know, that's one thing that I have on my list of things to do is like buy a wardrobe that's more modest. And I've never been the person that's like showing off my body like that. But, you know, just like even like it just comes down to being more true to myself. And like I said, I'm more comfortable when I'm wearing the baggy jeans, the sneakers, the big T-shirts, you know, just chilling. Like, that's just the type of person that I am. Like, this does not feel like me. <laughs> but I know that I can be this person. And this is a mood. But, you know, like, for the most part, like, I think that, you know, I want people to see me for me and not for the big thighs, the body, you know, I would just... You know, I think so. it's um, it's really interesting point how you like you mentioned about that like, Kim Kardashians and people kind of seeing them for what it is as opposed to what got them there. It's like really if you think of it, marketing works best for the extremes. If you really think of it, it's like if you're controversial or it stands out, it's good for marketing and that's where it will blow up. So really, is like because I've studied marketing as well quite a lot from like mentorship programs and otherwise, and it's like the marketing really works from the extremes. Someone that's Take Liver King, for example. I'm not sure if you saw him. Because it was really extreme. It, it's basically someone that was eating raw meat. And he kind of, he, um, I don't know his full story, but essentially he is pretty much like preaching eating raw meat in terms of a year round and uh, raw liver in particular. And he kind of went back to the animalistic days and other caveman years and kind of started preaching that. And because it was extreme, got a lot of attention. So it's, those things in terms of extremes work best for marketing, but that's exactly what it is, is marketing and people market extremes because that's what's most attractable. If it's like in the middle ground and it's like not extreme and not completely polarizing, it probably wouldn't get the attention. So it's really interesting when you understand social media like that. It's like there's, it works to the extremes, but two, there are actually people out there on the internet that literally have the job in social media to make you have these feelings because then you when you have a pain point you get marketed to that's good for sales so it's a really interesting point for you like how would you on a scale of one to ten can't say seven how would you rate your like your mental space right now right now i feel like it's at an eight nice i feel like i still have some work to do but I, I've been doing the work and like I wake up most mornings and I'm like hey you've been doing the work like I'm really proud of you like earlier I was feeling like shit I was feeling like shit I remember how I told you I would grab my I do that and I <laughs> <gonna> steal that. <laughs> myself in the mirror and I'm like you are beautiful 
And it's not because I look beautiful. It's because I'm beautiful. Like, I know the way that I love people. I know the way that I care about people. Like, I know the way that I I want to help myself. And I that's why I'm beautiful. Like, I, you know, like, yes, I did my makeup today. And I was like, oh, girl, you're that, there, there it is. But at the same time, I'm like, but you're still beautiful without it. And the same for the same reason, you know, because of the way that I love people and, you know, I sometimes get caught up in this idea of I'm not good enough because, you know, some people, you, you know, you, you play a different role in, in other people's lives. So you might be the, the villain in someone else's story, but what's the real story? You know, were you trying to set a boundary? You know, how did they perceive that? And like, that's what I try to remind myself of every day. It's like, you were trying your best and you did the best that you could with what you knew. Um, and I'm again, I'm sitting in that gratitude of it took you so long to get here. I'm really, really proud of you. And um, just being my own best friend. I think that that's I tell myself that I'm proud of myself very frequently. Like I give myself like these hugs and like I sit with myself because my parents love me so much. But I think that's one thing that I craved so much as a child is words of affirmation. And I never really got the I'm proud of you or the I love you. It was, you know, we're providing for you. You have a roof over your head. We're cooking for you. Mom stayed home to take care of you while dad worked. We love you. That's how we show that we love you. Right. But it was never like, oh, I love you. You're so beautiful. I'm so proud of you. And so I as part of my reparenting myself, that's what I'm doing. I'm giving myself those words of affirmation because who am I without everything else, right? Without the external, I'm empowering myself. It's really interesting you, that made me think of like a conversation I had a few months ago with my mentor. And he asked me, is that Taza, if you lost everything, but you could have one thing, what would that be? Straight away for me, that went straight to my health, my body, because if I'm healthy, mentally and physically fit, then I should be able to get myself out of that if I lost everything. Because that's a great answer. But sadly, it's not the right answer. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What's the right answer then? Is that your thoughts? Because if you lose your thoughts, you've really lost everything. Mm. And that really got me thinking, because it's generally a case of that. And it's a really good quote by Orson Scott Card, whereas we question all of our beliefs, except for the ones we truly believe. And those are the ones we never seem to question. So there's those little pesky details that we're like, we believe that, so we're not going to question that. I should go back over it one more time. And usually those are the little ones that kind of destroy a lot of self-confidence to be, and they kind of be those things that's kind of what we said earlier, right? It's a subconscious. Yeah. But when you start questioning it, it's like, those are the ones you should really look at. So it's really interesting that you said that, actually. And it's for you to actually really understand like the parents inside things, how you like, what you value, your words of affirmation. Have you, do you ever look into like the human needs, like significance, contribution, growth? I think those are absolutely... I think those are one of those things where as soon as you get that, everything tends to make sense. And it's so often, whether it's in relationships within body, people have value certain things even more. I'll actually be, I'll actually be curious actually hear what's out of the five or the six. What are the ones that stand out for you? Um, name them for me again. So there's um, significance, contribution, growth, certainty, uncertainty. Um, I'd say growth. That's, that's where one thing that I really learned is that 
in everything, right? In order to get to the next level, you always have to have a growth mindset. You know, you have to believe that life is working for you and not against you or life is not happening to you. And, um, and so I've been taking this course. Um, Can I jump in actually? Because I want to let me into that. When you say life happens to you, not sorry for you, not to you, I am on the same page as that. But for someone now that's like, no, actually, life's happening to me and kind of playing that card, what would you have to say to them? Life is happening to you. Well, you can always control those thoughts, right? So at the end of the day, the most important thing are your thoughts, like you said. So, yeah, you can't control what's happening on the external. But at the end of the day, what do you have? You have yourself, you have your internal. And that's actually called the locus of, of the external or something like that, yeah. um, and internal. So when you have control over what you think and the way that you perceive yourself, then you will have the control over your life. Because even if what's happening outside of you is crappy or not, the best thing to happen you can turn those thoughts around so if your boss is being a dick you can be like yeah he's being an asshole but you know i'm not gonna let that stop me from being happy because i can tap into happiness at any time in my life you know the feelings are there and um, i have a good friend of mine her name is alexis cabo she's also a mental health coach she recently made a video about this she said yeah the happiness you don't get it from the outside it's already there so whenever you just want to feel happy you can tap into that because it's Happiness is not outside of you. It's inside of you. And I think that's really powerful because I I go about that most of the time. Like I, that's how I perceive life is like, yeah, you know, honestly, I don't like my job. You know, I, it's been very stressful and I, I've been trying to reevaluate. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, how can I, how can I change my thoughts? Because my thoughts are what create my feelings. And my feelings are what determines how I'm going to act. <laughs> and so I, the way that it helps me is I put myself in their shoes. It's like, what were the teachers? What were the therapists that made me feel significant? Made me feel like I belong? That helped me grow? You know, what did they do? They, they treated me how a child should be treated, you know? And that's exactly how I treat my clients. It's like, we try to have fun, but we're going to learn. And, you know, you get your reinforcement. And most of the times they consider me to be the reinforcement because we're just having a bunch of fun while they're learning, you know, and I've noticed that that's what helps them grow, you know, when I allow them the space to be children. That's really interesting that because I think I really like what you said there about the locus of control. And yeah, that's what it is. I really like that is because it's like if you're when you look at a situation and it's stressing you out and you feel like this is, you know, the ball is obviously on fire, usually it's because the responsibility is passed to someone else, that's not you. And when you pass the blame, you pass the power. So then you feel powerless and you're like, I can't do anything there. So you're in that place where it's like, I don't like this, I don't like saying the word victim because it's like you're kind of attacking someone, it's not constructive, but it's like, it's kind of like that. It's like you're actually passing the power to someone else, which is why you mean feel powerless, whereby when you can actually kind of bring your locus of control to the internal, then you're not putting it to the external. And that's usually what generally tends to happen when it comes to like a lot of behavioral change. When you pass it to something else that you can't control, then clearly because you can't control it, you're going to be powerless. And then it defeats you because 
I generally believe is that the private wins that create public confidence or public self-belief. And similarly, it's the private defeats that tend to also cause a deterioration in self-belief, self-confidence on the external. Same way now, it's kind of, don't really like the same, but it's what you eat in private, you show in public. I hate that saying for some reason. I'm like, let someone eat if, you know, and there's that flexible dieting is a wonderful thing. But uh, it's really a case like the small private things that kind of shows up in the outside. And it really comes back to something such as if you get a parking ticket because you parked, we've got double yellow lines here in the US, in the UK, which is like parking a double yellow, you get a ticket right away, you're not supposed to park there. Um, so some people are still parked there and then they'd complain about getting the ticket and they're like, oh, why have I got a ticket? But it's actually, you parking there, you're actually saying to yourself, if I park here, this may happen. So you're like, actually, that's my fault as opposed to it's the person that gave the tickets for because you kind of almost had that and you can almost really that's any situation it's like if i showed up late it's not because i was stuck in traffic you might have been but what if you actually got planned to get there earlier you built a habit of getting there earlier or it's oh, i forgot i forgot to get breakfast because because <laughs> of the kids i love when people say that i'm like do the kid you know stop leaving your kids they're little leave them alone <laughs> it's like oh because the kids and this and i'm like all right cool you're passing the power, which is why you feel powerless. So it's really coming back to like bringing it back to the internal as opposed to the external. And then you feel kind of in control of every situation, mentally, on the outside, career. It's really bringing it back to that. But coming back to what you said there in terms of like your job, and I think this is something I held on to because I've had very low paying jobs since I was a kid. Like none of my mum's not worked in her life. I look after her and uh, obviously kind of financial support her. And, uh, I've always kind of, when I started off my first job, I think it was like minimum wage, which is like, I think $3 an hour back as a 16. And um, it's really funny because I just still, even though it was that pay, there was people in the role that were complaining. I was like, they were like, oh, I'm not going to do this because we only get paid so much. But I was like the hardest working within that job, even though it was the least paying job I could have got. And it's like, because I really, I didn't think of it then, but now I really think back at it. But it's your work, works on you more than you work on it. So is the, similar to what I was saying now, the private wins, the small little wins they accumulate in the snowball and it keeps pushing the snowball down the actual hill and it gets bigger and bigger. So it's like your work works on you more than you work on it. So when you show up, then you get a different outcome. But when you show up and you perform, you, it builds carrots, right? So. Yeah. yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. So um that's my way of like um giving myself more of that responsibility when i because i do wake up and i still i'm not perfect i still fall into this trap where i'm like i hate my job i want to go to work you know but then i have those moments right where i'm like you still have work to do because there's a reason why you're still here you know so what is it that you don't feel confident in right now that makes you feel inferior work on those things and I have, you know, and it's to the point where I'm like, okay, it's getting better, but it's not getting better because the environment is different. It's getting better because my internal is different because I'm actively trying to change the challenges that I think I'm facing, um, just my routine. You know, I wasn't getting enough sleep and it made me think that I hated my job because I was always so tired because of my job. But in reality, it was my choices. <laughs> You know, and so, yes, I, it's still, I still definitely want to do a career change um, because I want to focus more on being creative 
but I'm still embracing my creativity because I work with kids. So it's easy to be creative. You know, we, I can provide them with so many options on how to learn in different ways uh, because we don't, you know, it's therapy. So it's a lot of hands-on naturalistic teaching. So I have to use my creativity and I have to remind myself, Hey, you can still be creative while you find the next best thing for you. So again, internal locus of control. 100%. And for you, what signs do you need to know which career is right for you? Because you mentioned the creative. What do you think is the thing that has holding you back right now? Um, definitely my finances. Like I, like I said, I just moved into my new place and um, I didn't want to finance anything. So I used most of my savings buying everything from my apartment. Like I bought all my appliances, my couch, my TV, my washer dryer, everything, literally everything on my own. And um, that was all of my savings. And I had only been saving for about a year mm. um, because I've never really been great with my finances. I barely started learning about it. And so um, I'm back to zero, you know, like I have very little saved up again. And I just want to make sure that I'm okay. Like I tell myself, you got to pick a struggle. You either complain about your job and or and go to your job or you quit your job and stop complaining about the job and then be broke and then you can't pay your rent you know and then you know it's this or that but it's what you do during the waiting period so what is that preparation that I'm doing so I'm budgeting I'm I'm I even started this new series and that's where my creativity comes in right on TikTok I started this series called Ballin on a Budget and it's like, um, how do you look your best? How does your apartment look its best? How do you eat the best while being on a budget? And so I like do grocery hauls. I like tell people like where I get my furniture, you know, to make my apartment look cute, but not spend like an arm and a leg, mm. you know? And um, I found that that's like me being the most authentic that I can be. It's like really sharing the things that truly work for me without worrying about Oh, it doesn't look like I'm living a lavish life. I'm not living a lavish life. I'm living a good life. And the, you know, this process, this journey is beautiful because I get to be creative with my budget. I get to be creative in all aspects of my life. So I remind myself every day, you were creative today. And that's really how I'm like, maybe that's how we're going to make an income, you know, is by creating this content that reflects my life. And that's what I like to do. Like, I love to make content. I like to share things that help me that might help other people mm. um, and yeah that's really how I've been tapping into my creativity by making content you know um, that reflects everything that's happening in my life my budget you know I'm a visual learner so my budget is like broken down into these different colors I put it in different <laughs> envelopes um, and that's really how I started saving my money is like I had this envelope and I it was like a game I gamified my savings and because it was fun for me, I ended up saving a lot more than I should have by the end of the year. I will, my goal was six grand and I ended up having like 10 grand. Um, and it was, it was fun, you know? So I've like been trying to show people how to do that. And it's not gonna work for everybody, but if it works for some people, then I'm more than happy to be able to help one person. That's, that's really good because you, I really like how you put that around because it's like, you really said that's authentic and it genuinely is. And I think it's like, because you don't have to think about the things because you're actually in that place where the person that's going to consume your content, 
you've got a story, so you're not making it up in that sense. And you're in that place where I always think is like, if you, you want to ask for directions from a person that's not been to the destination you've been going. So I think I remember three years ago, I was living on, like I was in, because I got funded and I got a scholarship to go to China because I was studying uh, maths and uh, I was an absolute nerd, by the way. You probably, most of you don't know, don't really know that about me. I was just head down, super shy, mastery, high performing and um, got studied, got uh, funded and uh, got a scholarship to study abroad. Also, I was abroad, I had a little bit of savings and uh, eventually just ran out and I was like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And I've never been financially supported my whole life, so it's always been me and uh, obviously I've not been working as a student. And then I was very lucky because it was my birthday that uh, coming up to the Menachi, you know, hit rock bottom. I remember coming back and uh, the, the, the lanyard for the door didn't work. So what's happened there? Then my flatmate opened the door and instead it opened on my actual room door. I was like, that's crazy. And then I got someone to open it and then they opened it. I was like, cool, thank you very much. Went to turn on the water, the water turned on off. I was like, what's going on here? Like, nothing's working. And I went downstairs to the reception, hey, the water's not working. They're, oh, what's your flat number? I think it was like, I don't remember the number, that's 703. And then I thought, oh, you've not paid your rent. I was like, ah. <laughs> so the, the water got turned off, the electricity, everything. And I was like, can I pay for like the next week? And they're like, yeah, you can pay for the next week and then yours three months because it's paid every quarter. I said, like, yeah, I'll do it for the next week. Well, luckily, because my bank was in like the negatives, it's my birthday that weekend. My brother said, oh, what do you want for your birthday? I was like, get me a flight. <laughs> and then that's when I came back and I was like, well, and then looking back, it's like that really taught me the lessons of actually financial security, which is why, because I didn't have that, I chased that even more. So now I was in that place that actually taught me a really big lesson. And since then I've always had like, and not necessarily flashbacks, but I've just held that as a bigger lesson because that's taught me rather than me thinking of that as a negative and thinking of, even though in the midst I was like panic attacks, I was low high anxiety. It was like looking back, I was like, it's crazy because that really teaches you, you really start to chase what you didn't have. And that's why I valued it more, not just for myself, but mom, family, etc. And it's really stuck with me even harder because it came from that. So is that with someone else now that, it may be in the same place. I relate exactly to that. I know what it feels like. So if they ask for destinations, I can almost give it and relate to that. It's kind of similar to a lot of people. It's like your mess becomes your message. And it's like, it's huge to actually have that. And I think in the midst of it, it's the worst thing. When you get out of that, it's quite glorious on the other side because then you can help other people and actually pull them out of the actual thing itself. So um, yeah, one, one thing I heard was, is a really silly story, but it's a really interesting was there's like a story of a toad and frogs and there's like one that's at the top of like a huge hill and there's some at the bottom and the one at the top he's like oh you guys should come to the top it's amazing here you should you know put in the work and get to the top and the toads at the bottom are like oh no my happy air is comfortable and then a lorry comes and the toads at the bottom are forced to go to the top and they get to the top they're like oh this is way better here why did I stay comfortable and stay there? And it really just shows that you don't really change until you're foster. Yeah. So. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, positive pressure is the best way to get anywhere. Yeah, I love that. Aww. For you, just to, because it's definitely one of those podcasts I'd love to do again. And uh, I know the audience has got a lot from listening and your story is insane. And I didn't know about you, so you should definitely speak about it even more because I think, 
for you to share the story there's probably millions of people that you didn't know actually going through the same thing and that they're like someone's gone through that that's that's a role model and uh i think it's huge for you to share that and also come out the other side of the person i'm speaking to today is you would have know you've been through that so that's a huge testament to you just to kind of wrap up the podcast because the podcast is called the method what's your method for success what does that look like for you I think that recently my method for success has just been to be me and to be really me, not what anybody else wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, we, we want, we're, we're wired for connection. So we want to fit in. Right. But what is it that you truly want? And if you really create this life based on what you want, you're going to change yourself and you're going to change the world. And I'll give you a very tiny example. So we all love free things, right? So sometimes we have pride and we're like, no, I don't want to accept anything that I didn't work hard for. So I started telling myself, like I wrote down this list of like, I want to, I want to get paid to be me. You know, I want to get free things. You know, I, you know, what if somebody just, what if I don't have money, but somebody just pays for my rent, then, you know, technically I'm good. So when, before I even started moving into my place, before I even like knew that I was going to move into my new place, I wrote it down. Like, I'm like, I'm going to get paid to be Mitchy. I'm, you know, I'm going to work hard so that I, people see the value in, of Mitchy's presence of Mitchy's energy. So I started telling people, yeah, I accept anything that you want to give me for free. And I started telling my mom and my sister-in-law and like my friends and it just started manifesting. It really started manifesting. Like, even though I was in my savings girl era, like I started getting invited to events that were free, food paid, like everything paid. Um, my mom and my sister-in-law started asking me like, oh, hey, um, we're going to throw out this blender. Like, do you want it for your when you move into your place? And I'd be like, yeah. Um, and then um, like at the end of like the day when I moved in, I had like pots and pans and you know, because I would always be like, oh, I accept anything free. Like, that's literally my mom knows. She'd be like, oh, do you want some ch- a box of cherries? And I'd be like, I accept anything free, you know? And But, like, obviously, like, it has to be something that you really want. You're not just, oh, I accept all the junk, you know? Like, I accept free things. Like, you have to be willing to receive. You have to be open to receiving these things. And, you know, but that's if you truly want to be open to receiving these things. And me, I was always like, yeah, I love free things, but you know, I don't want to be a freeloader, but no, it's like, Hey, I'm going to be open because if you want to give me these things, that means that I, you value me and you care for me and you want to give me this, you know, you could have given it to anybody, but you gave it to me, you know? And like, that's been happening to me all the time. Like yesterday, my car was leaking. And then my dad was like, I was like, hey, why is my car leaking? He's like, because you always take it to those guys when you could bring it to me. I'll fix it for free. And I was like, you know, like, I've always rejected my dad's help because I didn't want to be a burden. But here he is. Like, he wants to help me. My dad has an entire shop. Like, he fixes cars for fun. Um, he's a, a classic car fanatic. Like, he has one-of-one cars. He has, like, this giant barn dominium. Um. And I was like, all right, you know what? Like, I was like, I won't go to change my oil anywhere else anymore. I will bring my car to you. And it's like, you know, you create this little network of people that you're like, okay. So just be yourself and accept things. Make room for, you know, for that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I accept anything free, okay? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'll probably, um, yeah, 100%. It's like luck doesn't exist, but you create your own luck. And uh, for you to do that, it's lucky people put themselves into more situations to be more lucky. So like you said, now it's being yourself and just putting yourself out there. And not enough people do. So if you put yourself out there, you're part of the 5% of people that actually do, which is by default, you took the top 5, 5% because you put yourself out there. So I think it's huge. Just to where um, someone that wants to learn more about what you do, who you want to follow up, but definitely have to get you back in around too, because I can speak for four hours. Like, definitely someone that's delivered a lot of value and I uh, appreciate you coming on. For someone that wants to connect and learn further in terms of where they can follow up with your work, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram or TikTok. Like, I mean, that's really all I have. I have a LinkedIn. Um, you can find me at Michi Molina. My legal name is actually Michelle. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> that's, crazy. that's actually something that I wanted to talk about today, but I think we can see that for the next time. I also have like this story as to why, like I hated the name Michelle and it wasn't up until this morning, truly I was in the shower and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've been neglecting my legal name because of this story that I can change. You know, I can I can't change what happened, but I can change the way that I look at it and I can reclaim my name. And there's a reason why I don't use Michelle and why I developed a different identity because I hated my name based on this story of what happened to me. So I guess I'll leave you guys there so that you can be excited for me. My fanga, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's Michelle. I'm gonna reclaim my name, but you can call me Michi. Uh, and you can find me at Michi Molina on Instagram. I also have another page called Mish Wellness. And that's where I was dedicating like most of my mental health awareness posting. But it's been at a little halt um, due to Project Self. Um, but I will be posting there more frequently. What I'll do is I'll put um, the link to TikTok and both Instagram handles in the bio. So definitely recommend someone connecting because I definitely recommend following the page because I follow both of them as well. And uh, you give a lot, even though if it's like small things, it's uh, the energy you put into it. So 100%. It's a pleasure to watch connect finally and uh, definitely look forward to the next time because I know there's going to be a next time. It's going to be sooner rather than later. So I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> thank you so much. And nice. thank you to everybody that's watching. All right. Thank you so much for listening and uh, see you all next week.